Hey, before we jump into today's podcast, we want to let you know that we've just finished and launched our first course for the Jewish Road, and it is all about Passover. Now, we're going around right now to churches all over the country, the groups, and we're sharing the story of Passover, and we have to really try to go quick to fit it all in, but we really got to expand and take our time just a little bit and walk through all of these different elements of the Passover Seder. So we did this in 10 lessons as we go through the entire Passover. Uh, For example, uh, many of you may be familiar, you probably are familiar with uh, the communion, but uh, are not so familiar how that has worked its way into uh, our lives through actually through the Passover in uh, Jesus himself uh, giving the bread, the unleavened bread and the cup. And uh, so, you know, we want to bring a real understanding of the roots of uh, where a lot of these things that we celebrate in the church come from. Yep. So if you want to jump in on that, uh, the course is now available. You can go to the jewishroad.com and at the very top, you see a button that says courses. You just sign up and you'll be able to download that. It's $97, uh, but you can do that and get a pool of people together and you'll be able to watch that, go through it uh, for personal study, go through it with the group and uh, really deepen uh, this week, this passion week. Um, as you're about to hear in the podcast this week, we're going to be walking you through each one of these steps leading up to the Passover Seder. And then we stop. But if you really want to dig deep on the Passover Seder itself, go through our course, um, check it out and share it with some friends and enjoy that. So that's it for this. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm here with the old man. Dad, say hello. Shalom. (laughs) Well, hey, we are here, uh, and we're starting something here that will have some trajectory over the course of the week. Uh, And most of you have gone through... Uh, you're either going to church today, you've gone to church, maybe you didn't, maybe you're watching it from home, you're sitting on the couch, uh, but today is typically known as Palm Sunday, and uh, we call it the 10th of Nisan, and we're going to walk you through something starting today and going through the rest of this week. Um, I just said the words 10th of Nisan. Give us a little bit of background, Dad, on what that means. Yeah, well, 10th of Nisan, uh, we find uh, Moses telling the children of Israel while they're in Egypt, just before that 10th plague is visited upon the Egyptians, which is the slaying of the firstborn. Before that happens, they are to take a lamb and, uh, and sacrifice it, put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. But Moses says, before they do that, on the 10th of Nisan, the month, the Hebrew month Nisan, uh, which is the first month of the year, they are to take that lamb that they choose and they are to set it aside and they are to observe it uh, until the 14th of Nisan when they sacrifice it. And during that time, they are to uh, observe, make sure that it is a lamb that can be sacrificed that is without spot and without blemish. And so that's what Moses instructs in uh, Exodus. Yeah. And specifically, so this is Exodus 12, five, it says your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. When the whole 
assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So there is this really, you know, you do the math and it, it's five days um, where they are scrutinizing. They're looking at the lamb and they're watching this. Now, uh, a few years ago, you came up with this observation um, that there is a direct correlation between this commandment in what we call act one and what happens on what we call palm sunday in act two yeah um yeah and the, and the church it involves uh yeshua jesus riding into jerusalem on a donkey um on what the church refers to as uh as palm sunday but uh in actuality there there was something uh that was really significant uh, about that ride into Jerusalem. Uh, apart from it being Palm Sunday, it was also the tenth of Nisan on the Hebrew calendar. Yeah, and so, so what were you going to say about that? Yeah, well, so so Yeshua in Matthew twenty-one, this is all recorded for us, and he is riding into Jerusalem on this particular day, and uh, it would seem from all of our reading and all of our uh, all of the uh, description that uh, we have the proclaiming of a king uh, in verse 5 of Matthew 21 it says behold your king is coming to you in mark chapter 11 in verse 10 it says blessed is the coming kingdom of our father david right, from the so line from of all david. out yeah from, uh, what's that well, from the line of David, from the line of David. So uh, the Messiah had to come from that lineage, that seed. And so from all outward appearances, it looks as if the people are proclaiming that Yeshua, Jesus, is the long awaited King Messiah. Yeah. And, and this is maybe where we we this is as far as we go with the act one, act two in, in the narrative is we're, we're pulling from, you know, Matthew 21, five is really Zechariah. Um, and we we have some pulling here in, in Mark 11, where we're, we're talking about the coming of our father, David, Old Testament reference. And we're, we're referring to the, the lineage of David, that the king, the throne of David will not be left empty, but that a Messiah will come from there. So there's this connection to the Old Testament. But really, what, what Jesus has in mind uh, on this day and going into this entire Passion Week is this, this idea that he is coming, as, as his cousin John proclaims, this is the Passover lamb who's coming to take the sins of the world and to die for the sins of the world. And so the lamb, I mean, I, I think I wrote a blog post last year that, that was talking about the lamb who came on a donkey. Um, and this, this scene here is, is important. And we not just tie it back to Zechariah and not just tie it back to like Isaiah 11, but we're going all the way back to Exodus with this. Yeah, uh, we have the Messiah uh, actually riding into Jerusalem and obviously the people are hailing him as a king. And, you know, we don't, we don't have Kings in America, so we're not really experts on what it's like to be crowning a King. You know, in fact, our entire country was established out of a revolution against having a King. So you might say we're sort of anti-King, but probably the closest that we come to knowing about 
you know, having a king and the coronation and all of that is from what we watch and we see on TV from the British family going through all of their ceremonies. Uh, but we don't really have a lot of familiarity with the ceremony and the coronation of royalty. It's just what we watch, you know, kind of not not really our cup of tea, you might say. So. <laughs> Is that was that your attempt at, at a, a British accent? <laughs> was was that okay? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Let me try that. Not, uh, not really a cup of tea. Oh my! <laughs> I'm not. So, I'm not. We're not going to save you. I'm not editing that out. We're going to keep that. Uh, in. Oh, okay. Well, that was awful. it was intended to be a compliment to our uh, folks across the Atlantic. Um, anyway. Uh, in our text, regardless of our unfamiliarity with coronations and all of that, we actually find as Yeshua is riding into Jerusalem, a coronation that is as real as any coronation ever was, even though it doesn't look like it. And that's because he is really a king. Right. And the people are proclaiming him as a king. You know, they're hoping to usher him into his kingship in a sense, uh, as we read through Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, but it seems like it's lacking some of the pomp and the majesty and the splendor and all of those things that uh, go with and you would expect from the coronation of a king. Well, yeah, know, and so. most of the time, if, if I'm if I'm Jesus, I'm the king and I'm, I'm riding into Jerusalem, uh, I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get the biggest and best stallion I can find and we're going to go all out on this, right? You're going to, we're going to have, all we're, we're laying everything out, no holds barred. And, and the expectation of the people at this point is we're overthrowing Rome. We're getting Rome out of here. The promised Messiah has come and he's coming to conquer. Right. The Jewish people that day had an eschatology, which remarkably is very similar to our eschatology, that in the last days that the Messiah would come. And when he comes, he's going to throw off all of the enemies of God. He's going to vanquish the enemies of Israel. And he is going to ascend the throne of his father, David. And so there we're, we're back to that lineage from the tribe of Judah, um, his father, David. In fact, in Matthew 24, in the Olivet Discourse, that was one of the three questions that the disciples had when Yeshua said, not one stone is going to be left upon another. They wanted to know when is this going to happen right. and what is going to be the sign of your coming and the sign of your coming didn't mean the second coming. <laughs> they had no idea of a second coming. The sign of the coming was, in other words, when is your your perusia? When 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 are you going to ascend the throne and take what is rightfully yours? That's what they were asking. And so this is this is what is taking place as Yeshua is riding into Jerusalem. Uh, and and when, this is important because we have one Messiah with two comings, right? And this is what it's talking about in Isaiah 53, that when he comes the first time, he's not coming as the conquering king, but the suffering servant. That right. is the point of this entire week. His trajectory is to come as the lamb, which is why the Passover story is, is so significant. And, and rather than this king of majesty, he shows up on a donkey's colt. He has some old clothes and there's a bunch of palm branches and he's not an ordinary king, and this is not an ordinary kingdom. In fact, in John 18, he says to Pilate, he says, I am not a king like you think kings are. 
my kingdom is not of this world. All of that, you know, taken into consideration, this is a very important event in these 11 verses because it begins actually, this, this event begins the final week in the life of our Lord Yeshua prior to his crucifixion. You know, this is his last public act. It's the last event that takes place in his ministry before he is crucified. And uh, it, it deserves our full attention and, and our respect because it has to be understood for what it really is, or you're not going to understand what comes after this entry into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it's amazing to think like not only this moment, but every moment over the next few days during this Passion Week, and even up until the Last Supper, the Passover Seder, Jesus is with his disciples, and they still don't get it. No, <laughs> they, don't, they, they, don't, they don't understand what's coming. Yeah, it, it like goes in one ear, it gains speed, and out the other. <laughs> and he tells them a number of times that he is going to suffer and he's going to die. And uh, even in Luke 22, he says, I've I, I have earnestly desired to drink this cup with you before I suffer, you know? And so he, he has laid it out there. He was totally aware of what his mission was and where he was going. Um, and the interesting thing about all of this, uh, I think in, in this, this type of a coronation of Yeshua that is referred to as the triumphal entry uh, I think within the church, it gets bypassed a lot. And even especially within messianic circles, uh, this whole idea of Palm Sunday, because that's what it's referred to. His entry into Jerusalem is referred to as Palm Sunday. And, you know, in the Jewish mindset, that belongs to a different religion. You know, <laughs> explain that, though. Well, you know, we have we have the entry of the Messiah coming in and he is coming in on this particular day, which we've said is the 10th of Nisan, which is the day that Moses said, you're supposed to separate the lamb from the rest of the, of the flock and observe it and make sure it's qualified without spot and blemish to be a perfect sacrifice. We understand that part in Exodus chapter 12, but it seems as if Palm Sunday has no relation to that. That's why I say it. It seems as if it belongs to a different religion. And so we, we don't incorporate Palm Sunday into our, our understanding of what the Messiah did. We don't pay attention to what happened in the next few days in between that day and Passover when he was crucified. So we, we are kind of missing the boat here when we ignore those things. And this is a very significant event. We can't ignore it. Uh, and you will see the significance of it as we unfold and as we dive deeper into the text to see what this event actually represents and what follows. You know, the things that happened over the next few days following this triumphal entry into Jerusalem are related to a specific event that takes place during Passover. Yeah, I, I know that, you know, the, the big thing in this week, and most preachers will say this is it's Friday, but Sundays are coming. And I remember one uh, one preacher, he, he said it's Sunday, but Fridays are coming. And I thought 
that was genius and really clever. It was good. It kind of flips that whole dynamic. We we're taking this a, a different direction and a whole new step is it it's Sunday. And we want to talk about the rest of the week because the rest of the week, what happens in between? Um, and there's some amazingly deep theology that's taking place from Sunday to the death of the lamb. There's amazing theology that's taking place from the death of Jesus to the resurrection and first fruits. Um, what's yeah. happening on Saturday? What, what's yeah. going on? I wish we had, we don't have enough days in the week or time to be able to talk about all of it. <laughs> no, not, not in this setting, but uh, you know, this, this triumphal entry, you know, we have to say is usually interpreted to be the time when Yeshua rode into Jerusalem and presented himself to the Jewish people as Israel's King and Messiah. And I would have to say that is not a good interpretation Why? because you, well, because Yeshua had already been offering himself as the Messiah and the King of the Jews for three and a half years. Right. And the Jewish, yeah, the Jewish leaders already rejected his Messiahship a year and a half earlier. Um, you can read it in, in Matthew chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 22. And it was at that time, about a year and a half prior, that Yeshua said, that generation was guilty of committing the unpardonable sin. And as a result, God's judgment would come. And it came in 70 AD with the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, the kingdom he came to bring didn't happen. The offer of that kingdom was rescinded from that Jewish generation. And that, that's a painful thing to think about and to talk about. But we need to clarify uh, this point. Uh, because it has kind of invaded church history in a way that has not been kind to Israel. The offer of the kingdom was rescinded from that Jewish generation, but it's going to be offered again to another Jewish generation, the one coming out of the great tribulation. Yeah, in other there, words, uh, I was going to say, um, there, there's too much to talk about in here. Um, we, we could sit here for a couple hours. You just threw out a whole bunch of stuff. You there, there's so much theology rich here. You, you we're talking about the unpardonable sin. We're talking about the offer of the kingdom being rescinded from that Jewish generation. It will be offered again. Um, this is this is Old Testament thinking. Um, this is Exodus thinking. I mean, think about the, the Israelites come out of Egypt. They are wandering in the wilderness. They get as close as 11 miles to the promised land. Um, right. And just as they're about to hit the promised land, um, the offer of the promised land to that Jewish generation is rescinded and God reroutes them. And now they continue to wander for 40 years or 38 years. Uh, yeah. and, and they don't get to see the promised land. That generation dies out. And that offer of the promised land now goes to the next generation, the kids who came out yeah. of Egypt. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because, and this is something that, I mean, gosh, how many Passover seders uh, have we done? And, uh, I think it was just, uh, even recently that, uh, I saw this parallel, but, uh, there, there is a parallel here that we should mention. And, you know, when we observe Passover, we, we tell the story in terms of the four I wills that you know, all the way in the beginning, which are the four cup represents the four cups that we partake of during Passover. And I will redeem you. I will take you out of the land. I'll take you out of, so, you know, there's four I wills and 
Actually, if you go to verse seven in Exodus chapter six, there is another I will, and that I will is related to the land that God promised. And it's never brought up or talked about in the Passover. And I think that's because the Jewish people for an entire generation didn't make it into the land. Uh, They died off for 40 years wandering in the wilderness until a new generation, those who were under 20 years old at the time, came 40 years later and they entered the promised land. Uh, We have a parallel in that, in that the offer of the kingdom, I believe, is rescinded from this Jewish generation, the sense that uh, God is as some theology has uh, taken over during this age, that God has finished with Israel. And now the church is the new Israel and all of the promises to Israel are now uh, belonging to the church. That is not true. The offer of the kingdom was rescinded from that Jewish generation, but it's going to be given to another Jewish generation who will enter the kingdom at the end of the great tribulation. Uh, similar, not time-wise, but similar as to how uh, there was an entire Jewish generation that perished in the wilderness, and then another generation went into the promised land. So I I just think that's an interesting point for us to remember and bring up during uh, our celebration and our observance of Passover. Um, We've gone too far. We've said too much. I don't know what you want me to do with that. (laughs) Well, we got to stop. We've given a lot of... Let's stop it right here, because when when he wrote into Jerusalem on that particular day, he was not offering himself as the king. You know, there was a different purpose during this particular Passover. And I think that's what we can jump into and explore next time. Yeah. And so let's talk about next time. Um, So today is Sunday. Um, and what we want to do over the, the course of this Passion Week is we want to give you a different view, a different perspective. This would be the Passion Week uh, through Jewish eyes. And uh, we're not going to go necessarily chronologically and say, this is what he did on Monday. This is what happened on Tuesday morning or Wednesday night. Um, but we want to walk through because it just, just like in, in the Exodus story, the lamb is set aside on the 10th of Nisan. Over the next few days, they are supposed to scrutinize and test the lamb, make sure it's without blemish so that it was deemed worthy of the sacrifice. We're going to go through those conversations this week. And the invitation for you today was long, uh, but the rest of the week is going to be short. I promise we're going to put a muzzle on ourselves and we're going to do as good as we can uh, to be able to keep it short. But we're, we're inviting you to just join us every single morning this week. Um, and we're going to walk you through these conversations. And when we get to the end of it, uh, you're going to see Jesus has these interactions with the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees. We're going to walk through these conversations because all of these are a test. The lamb is being scrutinized in Jerusalem, and we want to walk you through how he did on that test. And in the very end, the tables are turned. So does that does that cover us? Is that good? Yeah. All yeah. Right. That's, uh, that's where we're going. All right. So um, that is it. Join us 
tomorrow. Join us the next day. Um, schedule it out. We're going to keep it five to 10 minutes every day this week, and uh, we'll share some of this stuff together. We'll also be uh, posting alongside this on the website. We have blog posts for all of these, so you can actually see the scriptures. You can look them up and do a little bit deeper dive for yourself as well. So you might, might say that's going to be a five or 10 Jewish minutes. Yeah, no, we have to keep it a five or 10 normal uh, American minutes. We're going to be on time this time. Oh, okay. All right. Not Jewish standard time. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, until we talk to you tomorrow, Shalom Yerushalayim. Yes. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. All right. Shalom. Bye-bye.